Welcome to the Everyday Citizens Tactical Podcast, Episode 26, Drones and Civilian Use. My name is Jeremy and I will be your host. Today I'm joined by the Communications Workspace, or at least as he's known on Instagram, to discuss various topics in regards to drone use by the prepared or tactical civilian. So, hide your credit cards, but take out your note-taking gear as we dive into the world of drones. Tell me turn it down and I'ma only turn up louder Call me what you wanna but you can't call me no coward Strength in numbers, we the people still the ones with power Fighting fire with fire, time to take back what is ours Tell me turn it down and I'ma only turn up louder Call me what you wanna but you can't call me no coward Welcome back to the podcast, everybody, and comms. Welcome to the podcast. What's up, man? So you you have been brought on for the specific topic of drones tonight, and I think probably most of the people listening to this are aware of the, you know, really the benefits and then even like the risks of drones just from watching tons and tons and tons of footage, you know, from the war in Ukraine right now. Yeah, it's definitely an important topic. I think it doesn't get discussed enough. Doesn't doesn't get posted about enough. I don't think. Honestly, what what surprises me, and I can only take on so many hobbies at once, but the the little that I've looked into drones, I don't think the entry market is as bad as people think it may be. Yeah, um, like it is. It is a little pricey. I mean, I guess that's relative, but uh, definitely a little bit pricey to get into, and then. Uh, trying to figure it out you know obviously dji with its security concerns you got to figure mm-hmm. out like how to get around it but yeah uh prices is, is relatively well it's cheap for uh cheap enough sure and really for for the use that we're kind of talking about with drones you don't need a drone that's multi-thousands of dollars you almost need one that's like kind of expendable in a sense because like the the possibility of you losing your drone to weather to um it just kind of dying out on you somebody shoots out of the sky like anything like that like the possibilities of you losing your drone is is you know relatively high oh yeah no i definitely agree with that you know wind can can take it or you know if you have a fly off which that's happened to me you know a drone Mm -hmm. just flies off um it's good to have components and you know a backup drone or you know cheaper components that you could just build another drone and, and get it up in the air for sure now I don't know, but does is in the three D printer world right now? Are they on the drones yet? Yeah. Um, so actually, I printed a a couple frames, but so the problem with three uh, D printed frames is just the fragility and the, the plastic. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not as good as you know the carbon fiber cut. Um, sure. And that's yeah, and like the vibrations with the motors and everything, it's just a lot weaker, um, more susceptible to just breaking. And then mm-hmm. obviously when you crash, that frame's probably going to explode, um, <laughs> which is why CNC, the carbon is, is so much better. Sure. At least there's the potential possibly to, I guess, print replacement parts if the market has either been shut down or limited or it's just no longer available due to, you know, whatever type of catastrophe is going on. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And uh, you can definitely print, you know, protective parts to protect carbon fiber as well. It's, I think, three uh, D printing and drones definitely go hand in hand. If you're gonna, if you're gonna get into uh, FPV, you know, freestyle drones stuff like that, uh, definitely getting a three D printer is is gonna save you a lot of headaches. 
So before we get into like, you know, where to start with drones, the entry points, so on and so forth, you know, I guess I ask you, you know, why, why drones? What got you interested in drones? And, you know, why have you kind of taken that on as your kind of uh, niche in a sense, as far as, you know, trying to spread awareness to everybody else in the community? Yeah, so I, uh, I got into drones. Uh, I was just watching some freestyle videos. I think it was 2017. There's like some Vice article or something. Uh, dudes flying through the trees and they were like, you know, uh, comparing it to uh, like pod racing or whatever. Uh, and it just looked cool. Um, just these guys sitting in chairs, but they were flying these drones around buildings and stuff. I thought that was super cool. Uh, so 2017, you know, got a whole kit it was it was a decent amount of money back then and like for what you get like it would be maybe a couple hundred bucks nowadays but uh just it was <laughs> it was the equipment available at the time so bought that uh built my drone had a bunch of frustrations getting it up and just i basically tore that thing apart and put it back together and you know it was flying in the sim and and i kind of set it down for a little bit um, but I noticed that uh, back in, uh, I think it was 2017, was when Ukraine was using using the old uh, DJI Phantoms. Mm -hmm. um, didn't realize that, you know, with Russia invading Ukraine and all that, the, the freestyle, the FPV drones would be relevant and coming back like this. So really, I, I got back into it, you know, I think uh, three years ago, um, just at COVID. But... Um, got back into it built uh built out some drones and stuff and, and was messing with it again and then uh just been tinkering with it and then uh here we are you know 2023 and we see fpv kamikaze drones all over the place mm -hmm. you know dji uh i, I want to say uh ukraine is going through 10,000 drones a month I'm, don't quote me on that but wow it's just it's significant yeah the amount of drones that are, are just being expended like you were talking about earlier it's, it's just crazy but like i think it's important for a lot of people to definitely have access to it mm -hmm. uh, and and learn on that stuff now i would say that probably the way that ukraine specifically has been using drones not necessarily the like the kamikaze style drones that russia's been using um but like the smaller you know, more man-operated drones. I don't think that that is a sustainable way of using drones. Like, it's easy for Ukraine to just burn through thousands of drones while the West is still providing them with everything. But I think, you know, from our perspective, from this, from the American citizen perspective, we're not going to have that type of luxury. Yeah, I, I agree. They're just burning through components. And, like, it is economical for them you know with a 500 dollar fpv drone you know with battery and every they could spend 500 dollars on this payload delivery not including the payload and then hit a a million dollar tank like economically it makes sense but mm -hmm. i i agree with you like the components you know if you're just going through components like that um i i assume that's going to drive the price of components up and it'll eventually get unsustainable sure but and I would yeah. imagine that a lot of those parts for these smaller, cheaper drones is coming from someplace like either China, Vietnam, Taiwan. I'd imagine it's coming from that corner of the world. Yeah, it 100% is. And like, because uh, iFlight, I know I I post about iFlight a lot because they have a good 
beginner drone, but iFlight is straight out of China. Mm -hmm. DJI is out of China. Uh, the let's see, Fat Shark HD Zero. Those are in Walksnail even. Uh, those headsets come out of China. Mm -hmm. uh, just it's like everything is is pretty much Chinese. I think HD Zero is kind of away from China. Like they're they're the least Chinese, but they mm -hmm. still have China. Sure. Guys. Like it's yeah. So where do you, I guess, in in the realm of all of this, as far as surveillance, uh, equipment targeting, you know, whatever it might be, where do you kind of specifically see the drone and the drone operator role fitting into, again, like the American citizen uh, position or the community defense style uh, groups? What, what kind of purpose does the drone fit there? Yeah, so I... I guess I was kind of working backwards with my FPV drone and trying to work it into because like that's what I have and then trying to build an observation drone. I feel like so drones in general for sure uh, observation um, they're obviously using it for you know uh, emergencies and and there's a lot bigger drones that you know if a uh, person's lost you know search and rescue these drones for that. But then if, if we're talking, you know, tactical or, you know, self-defense, uh, just a, a smaller area, um, probably just observation, um, information collection, not only information collection, but then you could also throw in there, I think Mark III, he's doing signals collection, you know, just any, any type of collection that you could think of. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, I mean, Obviously, we have these various payload deliveries. It doesn't have to be explosive. It could be, you know, some kind of comms jammer. It could be a repeater, some, something. It could be delivering something to mm -hmm. a physical area. Um, but I, I think the uses are, are endless. Um, and then, you know, this whole, the quad came around, but now I'm looking back at the, the fixed wing. You know, fixed wing is going to give you longer loiter times and mm -hmm. be able to, to keep that observation longer. Um, but it, and it depends on your environment too. You know, do you want fixed wing for the larger open environments, and then do you want the quad where there's more vegetation, stuff like that? Do you need the the optical zoom for more standoff, or are you good flying nap of the earth? So it's, but yeah, drones in general. Uh, I I wouldn't say that they're critical, but mm -hmm. they are definitely a capability. Sure. Uh, and. Especially, you know, these guys running enterprise drones with thermal, IR, all that stuff. You can, you can see from kilometers away. It's crazy. Yeah, for like for me specifically here in Kentucky, pretty much everybody I know that's running drones, uh, they're they're running the quads. Um, it's just too vegetated, like you said. It's very very dense hills, so the elevation is constantly changing and whatnot. So you kind of need that maneuverability uh, aspect of it all to really. Um, get good use out of your drone but what what really surprised me when guys started bringing around drones was how great the camera quality is even from you know i'd say five six hundred feet in the air i mean it's phenomenal oh yeah dji uh for sure i mean like with all of their negatives the the camera is definitely there uh and not necessarily the optical zoom, but still just the digital zoom. It's still so clear. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to say it's like a 4K camera. But yeah, definitely, like, you can get significant standoff with that thing. And I know, uh, I mean, Ukraine's using the Mavic 
uh, added threes. So I'm, they, they've got to be good. So where, if, if someone were to come to you and, you know, they're trying to get into the drone world, you know, where do you tell them to start as far as kind of like a, kind of on the cost spectrum slash what your, uh, I guess what your result may be getting out of it, you know, where's that good ground to kind of, you know, set your footing? Yeah, it always starts off, um, you know, what is your situation? What's the environment that you're operating in? And then with that, you know, what are you trying to do with it? Um, are you trying to, do you care about the security concerns with the DJI systems? Um, or, you know, and do you want to have to worry about maintenance? Because, uh, you know, FPV drones take a lot of maintenance. But, but you can also maintain those systems yourself, whereas DJI, you got to send it off. So that's kind of like where I start. It's like, you know, do you have those concerns? And then also, you know, I don't have much experience with Parrot or uh, Autel, but, uh, you know, those those are also very valid. Uh, I think with any drone viewer system, though, uh, like it's going to be able to see any of those proprietary drones. Uh, with the FPV drone, there are ways where you can turn that telemetry off, via, you know, a switch on the radio. And when I say radio, the, the controller that you have, you know, you could flip that switch, turn the telemetry off. Obviously, you lose all that on-screen display. You know, if you want, if you uh, if you had latitude, longitude, and your your battery level, just all that stuff that you use while flying, you lose it. But you also turn off your telemetry and kind of uh, go stealthy. Mm -hmm. So it so to reel it all back, uh, start with the situation. You know, what are you trying to do? And then also, what's your environment like? Um, you know, maybe a fixed wing is more in your realm. Um, maybe a quad isn't the right move. Um, but quads are, I, I feel like quads are easier. So I, I tell people, hey, you know, start with a quad. Mm -hmm. um, and then just when they're starting out, uh, the people that do go the FPV route, you know, start with a radio, start with, uh, you have to have a computer, obviously, but start with the sim and just, you know, figure out if you, if you like flying that way. Um, if you don't like the FPV drone, then you're only out the radio. Um, and then you can just go buy a DJI or Parrot or Autel or something. Um, and it's not that much sunk cost. But then, you know, starting with the radio before the drone, now you're prepared. You, you figure out what drone you want, you know, what you're trying to do with it. Do you need a bigger long-range drone? Do you want more of a freestyle drone? like a five inch that's mm -hmm. a little bit thicker frame, less flight time, but can take a hit while you're learning. You know, it's kind of like figuring out what glide path you want. You know, if you want to dive right into the thousand dollar long range drone and, and take that risk and just assume that you're the best pilot ever. Or if you want, you know, that freestyle drone, figure out how to, to move it around. And then another op, another uh, crossroad you come to is, you know, what video system do you want? Do you want the DJI video system, which, you know, they're, they're significantly less security concerns with DJI's mm -hmm. FPV system, but, you know, do you want to go with that or do you want to go with the HD0 walk snail analog uh, route, which then you got to, you know, pick between those three. And it, it's all, it all comes down to money. Um, but what I've noticed a lot of dudes doing with the FPV route is going hd0 and walk snail uh just because the hd0 can go analog as well 
um, but Walk Snail, just because the quality is comparable to DJI, it's. I don't. Uh, I I don't think people realize beforehand how crappy analog video is until they get it, and then they're like, "Oh crap, I mm-hmm. can't see anything with analog," and then they uh, update to Walk Snail. So it's just like uh, there's a lot of, lot of crossroads, a lot of decision points whether you want to go, you know, with what drone. Mm-hmm. What is and again, it varies heavily by what type of drone you're going to get, environment, so on and so forth. But if what is a price range someone should expect to be getting into the drone game with a quality drone? It doesn't have to be the best drone, but just a, a quality starting drone. What kind of price range are you looking at? Yeah, so, I mean, if, if you're looking at uh, DJI Autel or Parrot, about... Uh, fifteen hundred to two thousand bucks. Um, definitely the Mavic's great. Um, the Mini is just not enough, I don't think. But I mean, if if you want the Mini, if you want to be able to run it on your kit, you know, you're not worried about the the security concerns, or you know, you've run scripts, then you know, mm-hmm. the Mini's the one for you. You've done the analysis. Um, for FPV, uh, I would say about a thousand bucks. That'll get you the radio the sorry the controller the Mm -hmm. drone and the fpv headset um and like at a decent quality um i recommend to most dudes get start off with an analog headset that you can plug that walk snail into Mm -hmm. um the hd zero headset's gonna be significantly more i think it's still going for 700 something um and then uh you can get like the drone's honestly the easiest part starting out because you just get a uh, get a bind and fly, um, and that cuts down costs significantly. I think you can get if you start off flying with analog just to learn, um, mm. you can get a quad for about three hundred bucks. That's a good starter for mm. like a five inch, like a sizable quad. And I'm glad you brought up the mini because I know a lot of guys rock uh, the mini quad. And I think it kind of depends on what is the true purpose of your, what is your drone truly trying to accomplish? Because I think there's kind of two aspects of it for it. You have, like what you said with the minis, guys just trying to run it off their kit. They're probably like a, you know, a line line uh, squad, a platoon, whatever it might be, you know. Think of the, the, the small unit that's just trying to do immediate area kind of surveillance in a sense. And then you have the other side, which is probably the bigger, more expensive, more advanced drones. And you're really kind of creating more of a dedicated S2 essence to your operation or a more detailed reconnaissance element to your, uh, you know, what you got going on. You know, what are your what are your thoughts on that you know as far as the small ground unit versus like the intelligence side yeah so well and like if we're talking the intelligence side um you know everything's a sensor so you know those smaller drones getting it up it may be a little more limited but uh, and i do wish you know like seeing the military they run black hornets at the small tactical level so uh, that's comparable to the mini. So, you know, if every squad had a black hornet, then uh, we're talking the self-defense side. Um, 
every Minuteman squad should have, you know, mini or some kind of sensor if, if they have it available. I would say uh, upgrade that to the Mavic just because, uh, you know, with smaller groups, smaller people, like, and this is just an assumption, I guess, on my part, but um, the Minutemen groups are going to be a lot smaller, you know, if it's just you and a couple buddies trying to make sure that, you know, uh, big organizations aren't, you know, coming after you or, or trying to come into your community. Um, you're going to be doing more with less people and those capabilities. I, you're probably going to want that that Mavic. You're probably going to want that extended range um, and uh, as many sensors as possible. Um, and like, and kind of with comms too. Like, I, from my perspective, I've seen you know smaller Minutemen groups, and I think uh, like they don't have the. Uh, they don't have the comfort of having an RTO just because they just don't have enough dudes. So it's going to be one mm -hmm. dude doing a decent amount of work. Um, and so that's kind of where, uh, and they also might be covering uh, much larger areas, you know, whereas a conventional military force is going to be localized. They're going to have uh, a lot more people per square mile than uh, any Minuteman de defense group or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, manpower definitely plays a big a big part into it, and that's kind of some of the stuff here at ECT we're diving into and kind of starting to shape our content around is developing specific roles for groups like as they grow. Because if you think about it, if you look like a traditional uh, line unit to some extent, um, there's a lot of things that are consistent, uh, at least in today's conventional um, military. You have... Uh, somebody that's a medic, whether it's a combat medic in the army or a corpsman in the Marine Corps slash Navy. Uh, you have automatic riflemen or machine gunners, even on the civilian side now, you know, with companies starting to build AR LSW style builds, you know, the thought of the automatic riflemen, you know, can come into fruition of the Minutemen. You've got your radio operator, you've got your drone operator, you've got you know, designated marksmen. So like the list kind of starts to add up. Um, you know, one thing I'm always telling people is plan ahead. So you may only have six guys right now and you're like, ah, we really, really don't have a need for a designated, you know, drone guy. But what happens when you add, you know, eight to 10 more guys, then do you need a drone guy? Where does that fit into what you're doing now? So it's kind of like, you know, do that homework ahead of time. That way when the time comes and you can, you know, spare or you know allocate that role you can roll right into it yeah i definitely agree i and that's kind of where it's like um <clears throat> you know your comms dude turns into the drone dude but if you can if you can differentiate you and you should have more than just one drone dude anyways you know because you're going to have that operator they're collecting intel but who are they passing that intel to who's going to action that stuff mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree. You know, having those systems in place to be able to to spread that division of labor. Yeah, and depending on you know how big of a group you're talking, that will definitely, um, you know, have an impact on how like significant your comms plan is. So, you I mean your group may be so big that your comms guy can't also be the drones guy? It's just not possible between 
you know, handling the handheld radios, probably managing some sort of HF network. You may have tablets into the game at some point, like depending on what kind of comps plan setup you've got, it can become a very intense role. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Um, so back to the, you know, the drone operator, uh, let's start with just like, you know, the squad size elements drone operator. What is, what are some things somebody should consider when it comes to their loadout? If they're, you know, that small unit drone operator, we're talking, you know, something like the mini, you know, small, small quads, something that are maneuverable, not uh, range isn't too, isn't too severe. You know, small backpack drones. What are some things that guys should consider carrying outside of just their drone? Um, I mean, so it comes back to comms, you know. <clears throat> they, uh, I think Chris Rance was talking about his train-up, but, you know, like uh, being able to communicate what you see. Um, ideally, you know, if you're running a squad and you're running it, you know, like a conventional military squad, then you guys would be co-located. But, uh, you know, a lot of... Uh, organizations may not have that luxury so uh, comms is going to be huge being able to identify what you see um, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get personally away from the phones but I was gonna say having you know an OTG receiver that way other guys could pull if it's analog video feed uh, they'd be able to pull that or you know if they had ATAC if you had air gapped uh, ATAC then you'd be able to pull that uh, drone feed and push it through ATAC because um, you're probably going to have data, I'm assuming, if you had an ATAC system set up. Um, now, now, I'm not overly familiar with ATAC just because I've never been on the Android side of things. Are you able to air gap? You're able to air gap the ATAC system or the devices, I guess, the system is running off of? Yeah, it'd be the systems. And I know it's, I'm always back and forth whether or not I even want to trust it because it's just ATAC in itself. I've heard there's a lot of security concerns with it. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's, it's the devices, air gap in the devices, and trying to close that off as much as possible. But then obviously, you know, as soon as you've got any uh, receivers or transmitters or anything, uh, it's hard to secure those. I was going to say, if you're running a network that's exchanging your data to some degree, I mean, you're not really air gapped at that point. Yeah, exactly. Like, as soon as you're using it, to connect with someone else you know you've lost it now one thing you uh could do as far as being able to hand off drone uh footage or pictures that you might have taken to the field back to some sort of uh, s2 or headquarters elements um, i've talked about it with uh, matthew from tactical comms and wyoming survival um, you know there are certain uh, hf programs that you can utilize through like your digi rig and stuff where you can send files i don't know if you could send videos but i know you can send like like photos that are in documents um so that is one and one option of doing it and you can do it uh securely if you have the know-how so potentially hf uh could be your friend as far as exchanging um you know the data side of that yeah, so if you had HF and you're running digital, then it's assumed that you have a computer, you know. And then the HD Zero goggles that I have, it has a, a micro SD card that saves. You can have it save every video. As soon as, like, a drone powers up and it starts receiving video, it'll start recording. And so you can take those files 
and like what you're saying theoretically uh it doesn't even have to be the videos it can just be screenshots as Mm -hmm. well um just uh propping you know getting those screenshots and then sending it via hf to confirm stuff Mm -hmm. yeah there's definitely it's like all of the different comps projects we're all doing right now um and drone projects at this point because drones are becoming a more prevalent part of the conversation is you know, we're trying to do, it's almost like we're all trying to do something in a conventional manner with unconventional equipment. You know, like we're the first to be doing so many of the stuff that we're all trying to do. Yeah, it's definitely, um, it's funny how everybody's projects kind of like, <laughs> um, they, they collide at some point. Like, I can't remember who it is they're a newer page or a newer company i think it's like uh see like one tone systems one system i'm trying to remember the name they post one s one s systems uh yeah one one s system i think is what it is yeah yeah it's one okay one tone systems they posted that uh, video of the digi rig cable for the XTS 5000 the other day. So you could use essentially like a field tack chat in a sense through like VHF. You know, I sent them a message. I was like, yo, you know, I'm working on the man pack around the XTL 5000, which has much greater distance and power capabilities. You know, anyway, you can make an XTL cable for that. So, you know, it's just, it's really interesting to see how all of our projects kind of like eventually just bounce off of each other oh yeah definitely it's uh and it's great uh having you know that network of people and it's it's great people you know popping in the dms and just like the network being able to talk to people and bounce ideas and then there's been so many times somebody brings something up and i'm like oh oh we could we could use this here and combine mm-hmm. this yeah it's good um do you foresee in the future there being uh drone classes kind of similar to how like mojave repeater does his kind of like traveling comms class or like you know anything like that do you foresee drone classes being a thing in the future yeah i'll be honest some of the people i've talked to i don't understand why there isn't um i talked to some people about you know if you could start up a hobby store and uh so like I asked a hobby store uh, once why they weren't selling FPV drone stuff, and they were like, yeah, well, you know, technology changes so much, and I was like, dude, that's the reason you sell drone stuff is because the technology changes so much that people are constantly upgrading. So not only that, but hobby stores, so hobby stores don't want anything to do with it, but then mm-hmm. also, like, dude, you could have a workshop and teach people how to build their FPV drone, you know, kind of like uh, building their computer or something from Micro Center. You mm-hmm. can show somebody how to build their drone. And then, oh, by the way, after that, you can teach them how to fly it and program it and the different uh, different things you can do with it, you know, in Betaflight or iNav or RD Pilot, whatever. Like, there's so mm-hmm. much customization that you can do. I don't understand, because there's definitely... A need for it definitely money to be had if you could do a workshop and just do a drone building session like i do uh so like there's stuff online though um if you go joshua bardwell he's like the the fpv freestyle drone guru um and chris rance has posted about him 
uh, his his kit because it's just a it's a I'm not gonna say it's a good kit. It's a it's a starter drone, but he has the videos. He has a four part series video on putting this drone together, like everything you could ever need. So like if you buy the kit, you watch the YouTube video, you can build your own drone, um, and and get that class for free basically at mm-hmm. the cost of the drone. But I mean that. To me, the value there is is insane because you're just paying for the drone, which, you know, you're you're buying a drone anyways, and then he walks you through how to set it up, just all that stuff. And I'm all about free, so like, so that's money. Um, I think they, you know, part 107 is is decent. I think it'd be good to learn, um, but I also think that there's a lot of FAA stuff, so. And that was going to be one of my next questions is, you know, where does the FAA come into all of this? Yeah. Um, they do come into a lot of it. I've, so I've been posting about remote ID. That's starting to become a thing that'll happen in September. Uh, what is remote ID? So, So the FAA wants, uh, basically all drones over 250 grams to be able to be seen by anyone, right? Like, Right now, airports, it's no issue. They can, they have, most airports have a drone viewing system. They know exactly when a DJI powers up, they can see it. Um, But this is for, you know, the common person, the common Karen that doesn't like you flying in the, in the park or whatever. She can see your drone and see where you're at and then harass you about it. Um, But that's basically remote ID in a nutshell. And it's, it, it's dumb for a lot of reasons. The reason, the biggest reason I hate it is because it's just added weight for no reason. Um, and it's more just like a security risk. I have goggles on when I'm flying, so I can't like somebody's going to have to deal with this Karen as she comes over and gets mad about people flying in a public place or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so remote ID and then FAA, obviously the part, they have the part 107, but they also have rules on, how you're supposed to fly your drone uh what i do to like find a spot and do it legally uh to fly is i go like the onyx hunt app or you know whatever finding um blm land and then uh using atac atac i actually do use but not for like comms or anything i use the noaa maps and then figure out uh where the restricted airspace is so i cannot fly in it and make sure that I avoid all that and just find open uh, open airspace. But uh, other than that... Oh, what's up? No, go ahead. No, nah, I was going to say other than that, like, and I don't think people would harass you. if As long as you're not flying next to an airport, you're good. Yeah. Do you foresee the FAA pushing more regulation on the drones, like almost to the point where it's like register your drones or die? Yeah, it's, I mean, so you're supposed to, if you're supposed to register every drone, have a serial number on your drone somewhere that's visible. Um, and I think the registration is like 10 bucks. Um, so you're supposed to do all that. You're supposed to have a spotter every time you fly, watching, you know, line of sight. It never leaves line of sight, whatever. 
there's like a lot of rules that you're supposed to be doing. The FCC, like you're supposed to have a ham license if you're transmitting video. Like I transmit it like one watt. So my video, I'm supposed to have a ham license to be mm. able to do it. What it's just, yeah, it's already there, but yeah, it's just ridiculous. I got you. What type of security concerns are you looking at? as far as like utilizing the drone other than of course, like something like somebody following back your drone, I'm talking about the more uh, technical side. Are there back doors into your drone feed? Um, so DJI uh, is actually with the most secure video feed analog being just in the open. Um, but DJI, you at least have to bind the goggles. Uh, HD zero and walk snail, if you have those same digital systems and you tune it to those frequencies, um, you can uh, you can just see what is being shown. Um, which is good if you're trying to share video and so if you have two dudes have the same uh, HD zero system, they could, they could both see the HD zero as it's flying or uh, the HDZ zero video as it's flying. But there's no way to potentially pick up on some sort of signal from the drone. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to well, think of this in like the traditional comms per- perspective. Yeah, and you 100% can. Um, like, so my HD zero headset, I have an analog adapter so that I can view analog video. But with that, I have a spectrum analyzer. Um, and a lot of uh, a lot of the radios have a 2.4 gigahertz uh, spectrum analyzer as well in the radio. So um, what you can do is you can, if you had a directional headset, like completely directional, you'd be able to look, or sorry, if you had directional antennas on your analog receiver, then using the spectrum analyzer, you'd be able to see everything that is 5.8 gigahertz that's around you um and like wi-fi interferes with that a lot but let's say you're out in the woods there's not going to be any uh 5g out there so Mm -hmm. you pick up any signal uh you start turning your head uh with the spectrum analyzer and you'd be able to to hone in on a direction of where that is coming from and so five gigs that 5G, that would be uh, the drone video, so you'd be able to see where the drone is, but then with a uh, with a 2.4 gigahertz spectrum analyzer, you'd be able to see uh, the drone, the operator. Gotcha. I guess there's always, I mean, I guess if there's, there's technology, there's, of course, is always a weakness to that technology. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um... As far as, uh, I would say, like, aftermarket considerations or accessories, whether that be payload systems, uh, IR, thermal cameras, potentially, like anything like that, you know, what would you say some of the more beneficial and realistic aftermarket type purchases uh, there would be? Um, yeah, so... Uh, if you had like a DJI Parrot or Autel, um, I think Wyoming Survival he had, and so SoCal Offgrid as well, uh, they had the the key fob um, droppers 
So, you know, if you were delivering, if you needed to, to drop something off uh, using that, um, Axon for X0, and then um, he has a, uh, a dropper as well, uh, kind of like a wiggle dropper. So if your drone wiggles a lot, it'll drop off, but uh, it's not reliant on the key fob system. Which So like the key fob dropper, it's that's going to be your range limiter um, just because it's pretty weak um, mm -hmm. but uh yeah that and then uh fbv drone specifically you're gonna you're gonna crash a lot so like i wouldn't say a 3d printer is necessary but if you don't have one then i would recommend buying a lot of tpu like arm uh protect protective parts mm -hmm. um, you can buy so like my recon 3.5 drone has uh, GPS on the back, and you can you can buy GPS after the fact, uh, attach that, and you can have latitude longitude in your video display. Uh, so if you if you need GPS, then that would be a way to do it. Um. Oh, and like uh, if you're flying FPV freestyle drones, a lot of people fly lipos, and those are super fun, but the lithium ion batteries those will give you like 25 minutes of flight and uh you actually like i get tired flying those battery packs because you're flying for so long mm -hmm. um but dude lie on um lie on packs for sure I'm think what else you, you really just like find a drone that fits your needs you know do you need prop guard prop guards or not you know that's added weight but you know if you're flying in proximity to a lot of stuff that mm. might be needed um are you gonna mount a gopro uh i have a problem with removable media because it can be compromised you know so if you have a gopro that's recording um then uh if you crash and somebody gets a hold of that removable media then they have access to all of it that's a valid um, concern yeah so yeah and like maybe you do need the gopro but um, I I personally don't fly it, but just because it's added weight, you know. Mm -hmm. And the um, GoPros aren't light, that's for sure. Oh no, dude! And like, even if you get the, you can get a bare bones newer GoPro. I fly old school. I have a GoPro Hero Session Five from like 2017, um, which is great. But yeah, like I just don't even, I don't even bother anymore. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Do is the thought of thermal or IR an aftermarket possibility, or is that kind of one of those things where when you buy your drone, you need to have that in mind and buy it with it? Um, so I'm thinking the FPV route. Uh, I think five five six NATO Sims on Instagram. He sent me uh, something about Foxier coming out with a thermal camera, um, and I haven't seen much from it. Um, that would be dope. If, if they came out with it uh not sure how it would work with the video transmitter if you'd have to buy a separate video transmitter or what um but that would be good uh, i do have to recommend walk snail uh their newer cameras are super low light um and i know a lot <laughs> uh some people back in the day were building their own digital night vision using uh analog cameras but if you could get mm -hmm. your hands on the walk snail cameras like 
low light but walk snail HD quality uh, video like uh, that is definite that's as close as you're gonna get to a low-cost IR like night vision platform interesting I definitely think probably I would probably say thermal more than night vision would be beneficial to the drone I don't know how beneficial night vision truly would be to the drone because you really can't pick out the fine minute details you're kind of looking for when you're under night vision yeah i i agree especially if you're 500 feet in the air yeah well and that's where because with the fpv drone uh flying walk snail that's where you can use that fpv drone to fly nap of the earth get a little bit closer um and walk snail having the low light camera you know night is half of all time you'd be able to use it at night uh and you wouldn't just be limited to daytime um like i but i definitely agree with you there like thermal um i want to say the camera was like 500 bucks but i'd be interested to see how much it actually when it releases how much it would be because that's Mm -hmm. that's insane that's 500 to like buy it and then put it on your drone yeah, it's, what I saw was just just the camera, like just the sensor. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't include the video transmitter or it. I don't know how exactly. I'm not sure how exactly it would work because you. I'm assuming there's no way you could just plug that into your flight controller to run mm-hmm. into the video transmitter. Interesting. I I would imagine as the use of drones, specifically in conventional conflicts, continues to grow, it'll fuel the civilian market as well. And you'll start to see more of that stuff as kind of like a uh, factory layout and not an aftermarket thought, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see it a little more plug and play. I think guys have gotten to that. Uh, in the FPV drone side, you know, being able to uh, just plug motors in, um, less of a reliable connection, but that plug-and-play modularity, I mean, if you're burning through motors, uh, you know, it makes maintenance a whole lot easier. Does the conventional uh, side, as far as, like, the smaller unit drones, uh, do those come with any thermal or night vision capabilities, or are they also limited in that aspect? Not talk not talking about like the big boy drones, but like, you know, even like the smaller man deployable ones. Yeah, I, I have not seen that yet. Uh, but that is kind of where we're headed. Mm-hmm. And that's if Foxier if Foxier can make a five hundred dollar smaller thermal camera, I, that's definitely gonna be a game changer because you're just gonna see it everywhere. Um, I think the problem with it it might be the range, but I'm in the like I'm not a thermal expert either. I don't Mm-hmm. Um, but I know like some of the more enterprise drones, uh, the larger drones, you're going to get a uh, better thermal camera out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're going to have better zoom and you're going to have better range on that thermal camera as well. That's just kind of like the trade-off. One last topic I kind of want to talk about here, and I guess it would kind of be the opposite of everything we talked about. And that is uh, anti-drone. So, you know, what, I don't know if you've put any thought into this realm of the conversation as far as um, acting against drones or whether that be through, 
you know, literally taking them out of the sky or the, from the technical side, you know, what, what, what kind of thoughts have you put into this part of it? Yeah. I mean, that's, it's tricky. Um, especially for the civilian, just cause we're so limited by so many regulations. Um, I will say, you know, jamming, uh, observational drones is a way if you have, it just takes an insane amount of power and directionalization to, to be able to do that. Um, there's enough standoff for, you know, any drones being used for observation that like, you're not going to be able to reach out and, and touch it mm-hmm. with a shotgun and the shotgun's going to be your best bet. If you're spraying and praying with a rifle, like good luck. Sure. Um, yeah. So the observation, <laughs> um, the one concept I do have that I still haven't tested out cause I haven't, I've gotten there now. I have a drone that I can mess with, but having one drone being able to tackle the other one, like mm. not, not just like tapping on it. Like the, the, funny dog fights that we see out of Russia and Ukraine, like DJIs tapping each other or whatever, but like, um, a, a drone with a net on the bottom and what I'm thinking is, yeah. So the drone, and it's gotta be a, uh, like a, not a wire, like a fishing line kind of net. Sure. Um, ties up, ties up the motors, uh, and catches the propellers. And, uh, you'd basically be able to catch the drone. And then uh, with the drone, your drone still being attached to the net, be able to uh, control the descent of that drone back to wherever you want it. Um, but I think that would be for counter observation. That'd be the best. That it'd be the most economical because you know you could shoot a, a man pads or you know whatever at it, a Carl Gustav or something that's airburst. You could do that. But it's a super cheap drone. Like now, you're it's the economics of it just don't make sure. sense. Sure, I would imagine if you took like some fifty pound test fishing line, or maybe even like paracord, and you ran like twelve to fifteen strands of like six to eight foot strands off of the bottom of a drone, and then you just flew over top of a drone if you're able to match its speed or if it's like stationary, like a quad would be, and you just kind of drape that through essentially the propellers of it all, you could really like get that thing hung up. And then, like you said, like kind of drag it back to your location. And now you could, you know, commandeer that drone. Yeah. No, my thought is like, uh, this Christmas, you know, when the stuff that they wrap the Christmas trees in, uh, I'm going to, I'll take some of that netting. Um, I'm sure I could find it somewhere but uh build that and mm-hmm. kind of uh put it on the drone and the reason i like the fpv drone for this is because it'd be able to it can definitely like 10 times outrun any dji or observational drone be able to tackle it and then the fpv drone you'd still have the fpv camera to be able to to, to fly it back wherever um, nice yeah that's an interesting concept has there been videos of that in like Russia, Ukraine, where all these drones are? Um, yeah, I have not seen that yet. I've seen a lot of dog fighting. Interesting. Hey, sorry, just a sec. You're good. Momentary pause, everyone. Hope everyone's doing well. It's been a long ass day. It's been a long ass day. I was hand weeding 
my cornfield today because the new portion of the field I tilled up was uh, was completely overcome with this this one very specific weed that grew to like the size of my corn, like four or five feet tall. And it was like kind of like swallowing up my cornfield and I was worried about the pollination of the corn. So I had to go through, tear all that up and then recorded a YouTube video uh, before this. But by the time this podcast episode comes out, you guys already aware of the uh, of the YouTube video. So head over to our website, guys. We got the new uh, the new colors in for the Swift Anglers. You can pre-order those now. Uh, they will all be shipped out uh October 1st at the latest, and that's just me kind of overcompensating. I'm hoping to have them by the beginning of September, and we can get those on the road. So a little over a month. Um, But I'm excited. The next podcast episode that comes out, I'm going to do kind of a uh, ECT and Jeremy life update in a sense. It's weird because I always say like we here at ECT, but really on like the admin side of stuff, like it's, it's just me. I have a bunch of guys that help me with YouTube videos or like my instructors for the medical response one or the defensive pistol one classes. Like there are other guys that kind of make up ECT. Um, but as far as like the admin side, like who's managing social media and stuff, it's always just me. Um, I just think it's it's good to kind of lay off that uh, to um, have that professional presence in a sense. But yeah it's been it's been a busy summer it's definitely gonna be a a very busy fall to come definitely everyone needs to you know look into the drone side of things just as much as the comm side um i have personally have not dove into the drone uh to the drone side i got some local buddies that run like the quadcopter style the smaller minis um but we're not too serious into the drones yet there's only so many projects you can tackle at once, um, unless somebody just has like a hobby out of drones and like that's their passion, then you know that's kind of you know where you are with that. But yeah, drone the drone side definitely adds a a whole new expense to to all of this, um, even more so than I don't know I don't know what would be more expensive is the journey of comms. Or the journey of um, drones? That's a great question. Not entirely sure. Uh, I'm going to give this a brief pause until comps come back. Uh, I don't know really where he went. Yeah. Kind of a. Oh, sorry, sorry, dude. Yeah, I didn't know if you were doing uh, like recording an outro or something real quick. So I, I did. I, I kept I kept him busy for a minute. And then just as you came back on, I was like, all right, I'm going to pause it and we'll see. But no, uh, welcome back. Yeah, I appreciate it. Sorry about that, dude. No, you're good. I think that's uh, probably a good uh, a good point, kind of talking about anti-drone stuff to, to start wrapping things up. Where can everybody uh, find you to, you know, find more drone co- content? ask drone questions, so on and so forth. Yeah, so uh, pretty much just Instagram, uh, communications workspace. That's pretty much it. But, you know, hit me up in the DMs if you have any questions. People hit me up all the time, you know, where should I start, whatever. Do you ever foresee yourself making a YouTube channel, the anonymous YouTube channel? <laughs> uh, maybe one day. I maybe. think uh, it'd be it'd be good to discuss tactics. I think 
YouTube might not be the platform just based on where it's going. But I know, it sucks. Ah, uh, dude. Uh, but uh, maybe, maybe someday. Yeah, that is that is a bridge that all of us are gonna have to cross one day. Is whenever all of these platform options are no longer viable to us. But I appreciate you coming on, man. I appreciate you coming on to talk about drones. You're definitely I've had quite a few comms guys on recently, but I haven't had anybody come on to talk about drones. So uh, I do very much appreciate you bringing this side of the conversation to us. Yeah, man. It's been fun. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, guys. That's all I've got. And as always, train hard, train often. Tell me turn it down and I'ma only turn up louder yeah. Call me what you wanna but you can't call me no coward no. Strength the numbers, we the people still the ones with power Fighting fire with fire, time to take back what is ours Tell me